Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Astros 3, the Indians 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And unfortunately, the Indians losing streak continues. I believe we are now up to a five-game losing streak. Luckily, the White Sox also lost yesterday, so it doesn't hurt us in the division. But I think as baseball fans, we'd all like to win a game now. You know, it's been five in a row. It's been a pretty brutal stretch. And uh, it'd really feel good to win a baseball game. So let's see if the boys can go out there today, get us a nice holiday win. Speaking of that, happy 4th of July to all of my listeners in the States. And if you're not, if you're one of my international listeners, then happy Sunday. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're doing something fun. Before we get into the storylines of this game, I just want to say one more time, it's a holiday weekend. If you could take a second and give the show a rating and a review, especially if you're one of our Apple Podcast listeners, give it a five-star rating or whatever you think it deserves. Leave a review. It helps the show grow. A bunch of listeners yesterday, but no new star reviews. So if you could take a second and do that, I really appreciate it. I really want to make this show grow and be one of the best baseball podcasts out there for Cleveland Indians fans. So hit me up also with emails. Let me know how you're feeling about the season heading into the all-star break, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You know you can hit me up on Twitter at Davey Barris and with the Anchor app, and it's in the show description. So no matter what you're listening on, there's a link to click. You can call and leave a voicemail for the show. A couple of fans have already done it this season. I'll play them back on the show and we'll hear your thoughts and discuss. So the show is available for fans. It is open to comments. So if you have emails, if you have phone calls, let me know how you're feeling, how you're thinking about this team, and we'll talk about it. All right, now let's get into those storylines from yesterday. And it was a pretty straightforward game yesterday. I mean, Oda Rizzi really did a good job of keeping Indians hitters off balance, of limiting damage. Eli Morgan actually did a decent job of limiting damage, and then both bullpens were absolutely dominant. I mean, that's I mean that might be the first storyline. The uh, the Astros bullpen goes three innings. Stanek, Javier, and Presley each get an inning, and they each have clean innings: no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts apiece. And they do it on fourteen pitches, thirteen pitches, and ten pitches. So their bullpen looked real dominant. And Stanek actually inherited a runner from Odorizzi in that seventh inning. We will get into that seventh inning in a second. The Indians' bullpen, uh, it's a little messier, but they still limit the damage. They still put zeros up on the scoreboard. Blake Parker goes, uh, man, uh, did he load the bases? Two walks? No, there must have been a fielder's choice in there somewhere. Uh, he gives up two walks and a hit in that sixth inning, but he's able to get out of it. Sandlin, in his inning, goes uh, gives up a hit and two walks, and he's able to get out of it. Now, Sandlin, I believe, started the eighth inning and then just had to get saved by Karinchek. So Karinchek goes an inning and two-thirds. No hits for him. He also gives up two walks, but gets three strikeouts. And then Maiden comes in and gets the last batter to ground out. So... The Indians' bullpen go four innings. They also give up zero runs. So, yeah, really good performances split between the two bullpens here. Then when it comes to the two starters, let's focus on Eli Morgan first. 
Uh, let's go to his player breakdown page. He was throwing the fastball a lot yesterday, mixing in the slider and the changeup, and didn't go to the curveball at all. So 40 fastballs, 24 sliders, 22 changeups. And neither pitch really had a huge CSW. It looked like it might be a decent strikeout day for him. He gets three in the first two innings, but then it kind of fizzles out there. And uh, his CSW on the day total is only 23%. Was not getting a ton of swing a miss. On 13 swings on his changeup, only three whiffs. On 10 swings on a slider, only four whiffs. On 17 swings on his fastball, only one whiff. He was getting some called strikes on his fastball, seven called strikes, four called strikes on a slider, one on his changeup. So it's not a great CSW on any pitch. Uh, the most effective would be the slider up at 33%. So yeah, he was uh, he was not really getting a lot of swing and miss yesterday, uh, but he was inducing fairly weak contact, um, you know, surviving on a little bit of weak contact here. Uh, let's go over to Fangraphs and let's see what the actual batted ball numbers are for him. Eli Morgan, soft contact was 18.8%, medium contact was 50%, and hard contact was 31.3%. Compare that to Oda Rizzi, who had 15.8% soft contact, 42.1% medium contact, and 42.1% hard contact. So, uh, Morgan was actually limiting the hard contact compared to his counterpart, but Odorizzi was getting way more ground balls, 44.4% ground ball rate, as opposed to Eli Morgan at 25% ground ball rate. So they were putting the ball in the air, and they were delivering some big hits, including some solo home runs. So uh, one of the things I want to focus on is uh, limiting damage, right? The first inning for Eli Morgan looked like it was going to be a disaster. I mean, Miles Straw starts it off with a double and can fly, McCormick flies out, and Yuli Gurriel singles, which moves Miles Straw over to third. Now they've got runners on the corners and Correa up, and he smokes one up the middle, 107.9 mile per hour exit velocity. It brings in the first run of the game. Gurriel goes across the third. They still have runners at the corner. That is a recipe that we've seen that can lead to some really big innings against Indians pitching. But he bears down, and he gets Jason Castro to strike out. And this strikeout would be important. It was a 3-2 slider that he threw down. He let it fall out the bottom of the zone. Took a risk, right? Throwing a ball outside the zone on a 3-2 count. And got Castro to string, swing over the top of it. Then gets Abraham Toro to ground out. Uh, it's a ball that Hernandez bobbles for a second, but recovers and gets it to Bobby Bradley for the out to get out of it. All right. That 3-2 pitch to Castro would be important. Because when we come back and we've got Carlos Correa up now, Carlos Correa in the fourth inning, this is when the solo home runs happen. He looked good through the second and through the third, clean innings, comes up in the fourth inning, facing Correa now for the second time. And let's go to the actual matchup on this one. And Correa works the count again. He works into a full count again. Um... Throws him two fastballs away that miss, and then gets him to swing at a slider that actually sweeps out of the zone. Tries to throw him the changeup inside, but misses pretty bad with it. Throws him a high fastball now. He's given him two breaking balls in a row, so he tries to go high fastball here on a 3-1 count. Gets him to foul it off. Then he's going to come back to the bottom of the zone. 
Now, we saw in that first inning against Castro, he's able to let that on a full count, he's able to let that slider drop out at the bottom of the zone. This time against Correa, he leaves it at the thighs, down the middle, which that slider was, that strikeout slider was, but this time he doesn't let it fall. He doesn't get it down. He leaves it at the thighs, and Correa hits it 104.4 miles per hour into the seats, 397 with the distance to left field. Absolutely smokes the ball. And it's not that Correa knew what pitch was coming. Obviously, the Astros have a long history with that, especially Correa, Altuve, right? This isn't the 2018 Astros here. No one was banging on a trash can, but... He did know, based on reputation, based on experience in the game, based on watching his counterpart strike out on a full count to an off-speed pitch that was down, he knew what Eli Morgan would go to in this situation. That's what it felt like. It felt like he knew he was going to get something off-speed. He knew it was going to be down in the zone, and he was able to go down and get it. Now, luckily, this one held up for him. If he throws him the slider here instead of the changeup, Does he get him? Does he bury it, you know, down and keep it down out of the zone and get him to swing over top? Maybe the changeup has, you know, the same effect that that slider does where the bottom falls out on it. It's got both pitches have good horizontal break, vertical break. And uh, this time he just leaves it in the zone and Correa knew what was coming. He really did. It felt like Correa absolutely knew what was coming. The next one against Toro, it just it was a first pitch slider. I'm guessing he wanted this one way more in on the hands to jam him way harder. He he wanted to throw for a strike. He clearly wanted to establish first pitch strike with a slider, and Toro was ready for it. This one is also at the thighs. This one is also pretty much down the middle of the plate. This one gets hit 109 mile per hour exit velocity to the seats in right field. And this was a situation of a guy going up there being aggressive and a pitcher trying to establish strike one. And Morgan did that a ton yesterday. In fact, going back over to fan graphs, if we look at the um, plate discipline numbers for Eli Morgan and Jake Odorizzi, you tell me which one you think is the winning pitcher here, right? One pitcher uh, got outside the zone swings at 17.8%. Inside the zone swings a 77.5%. Swing totals of 45.9%. Outside the zone contact was only 50%. Inside the zone contact was only 87%. Contact total on the day was 79.5%. They were in the zone 47.1% at the time. Their first pitch strike was up at 76.2%. And their swinging strike rate was up at 9.3%. Okay, second pitcher here. Outside the zone swing was at 19.1%. Inside the zone swing, 70.5%. Total swing percentage was at 44%. So about the same, 45.9% to 44%. Outside the zone contact was up at 66.7%. Inside the zone contact was up at 90.3%. Contact total was up 85%. 79.5% contact to 85% contact. They were in the zone 48.4% of the time. So basically the same. Their first pitch strike was down at 47.8 compared to 76.2, 47.8. And their swinging strike was only 6.6 compared to 9.3. Which one of these do you think is the winning pitcher in this game? 
I'll tell you, the one with the 76.2 first pitch strike and the 9.3 swinging strike and the 79.5 contact percentage, that's Eli Morgan. Jake Odorizzi had a contact rate of 85%. His first pitch strike was under 50%. His swinging strike was 6.6. You look at those numbers, you got to say, oh, clearly Eli Morgan was pounding the strike zone and, and dominating this game. No, it was the opposite way around. It was Odorizzi who was dominating uh, this game by inducing weaker contact, by getting more ground balls. I, not, I take that back, not inducing weaker contact, actually getting hit harder but inducing more ground balls, keeping them in the ballpark, and limiting damage. So, those are the differences between Eli Morgan and Odorizzi. Frankly, I think Eli Morgan pitched a pretty good game. Uh, The CSW isn't great. Going over to the illustrator here, he does a good job of, you know, the changeup breaks to the left side of the plate, the slider breaks across to the right side of the plate, and he's pounding with the fastball for strikes. Um... and maybe it's the pitch sequencing, you know, maybe it was just, you know, they were being aggressive against him, but he gives up the solo home runs. And he basically two mistake pitches are the difference here between Eli Morgan and uh, Odorizzi. And the Houston Astros hitters made Eli Morgan pay for his mistakes. The Indians hitters, not so much. Not so much. The last storyline of the game here is obviously the Indians offense and four hits. All doubles. Four hits, all double. Nobody got a single yesterday. Not one freaking single. Harold Ramirez reaches on an error that acts like a single. No singles from Indians hitters yesterday. It all comes from the middle of the lineup. And I'm sorry, without Jose Ramirez in the lineup and without Fermil Reyes in the lineup, boy, this lineup gets really weak fast. I mean, Bradley Zimmer comes all the way up to the six hole. If Jose Ramirez and Fermil Reyes are in this lineup, suddenly you've got Jose third, Fermil fourth, Eddie Rosario fifth, Bobby Bradley sixth, Harold Ramirez seventh. Then you don't have, then probably the catcher spot eighth, and then either Oscar Mercado or Bradley Zimmer uh, platooning in center in the nine hole. That is a much more effective lineup than Bradley Zimmer hitting sixth. I'm sorry, Bradley Zimmer is at least doing the little things. Right, his OPS is 643. Compared here, I'll take this. His batting average is 228. His OPS, though, is 643. Compare that to Ernie Clement, who's got a little higher batting average, 235. But his OPS is 562. Because what I can say about Bradley Zimmer is he is doing the little things to keep his OPS relevant. And he did a lot of little things yesterday, including drawing a walk, including hitting into a fielder's choice that created the RBI, that created the first run of the game, right? Runners on the corner, Eddie Rosario doubles, Harold Ramirez gets that uh, infield error, right? reaches on the error, so they got runners on the corner, and Bradley Zimmer chops one to second base, but he's able to beat the throw out. He's able to use his speed and beat the throw to first, which brings in that first run of the game. Staying out of the double play is the little things. He was in a full count. He was in protect mode. Right, He was protecting the strike zone. It was a pitch that was down. He chops it uh, to second base. Like I said, tons of ground balls yesterday against Odorizzi. But he's able to beat it out and uh, gets a run, gets an RBI because of it. The other big thing he did yesterday was in that first inning, Correa's single that brought in that first run for Houston. I think with a different center fielder, that ball gets through into the gap and to the wall. I really do. Uh, Zimmer did a good job of cutting that ball off and getting the throw in quick to second, 
which kept runners on the corner, which made things easier for Eli Morgan. At least he had that double play, you know, in his back pocket if he needed it, if he could get a ground ball. Instead, he gets a strikeout and a ground ball, but it left the double play a possibility. And it left him a chance to get out of the inning. I don't know if Harold Ramirez cuts that ball off. Oscar Mercado, probably. Jordan Luplo, Harold Ramirez, the other guys that have played center field for us so far this season, I don't know if they cut that ball off. I think that goes all the way to the wall with a different center fielder. So Bradley Zimmer doing the little things. Unfortunately, he ran out of little things in that seventh inning because after back-to-back doubles from Eddie Rosario and Harold Ramirez, and Harold Ramirez, how he got that double down, I'll never know. The left fielder Jones, Taylor Jones, reaches out like he's going to catch this ball and then doesn't. Uh, it looked like he was there to cut that ball off and just doesn't. And it maybe it's because Harold Ramirez hit the ball so ridiculously hard. I mean, those back-to-back doubles, Eddie Rosario's was at 108.4. Harold Ramirez's is at 104.6. And then Bradley Zimmer comes up and strikes out. He's got the chance to move the runner over right all the do you bunt in that situation? There's nobody out. It's back-to-back doubles to start the inning. Frankly, I would probably have laid down a bunt in that situation and moved Harold Ramirez over to third. I mean, Bradley Zimmer is not exactly crushing the ball right now, but it could have been another little thing. To move that runner over, even if he grounds out, I mean, it's probably why he doesn't put the bunt on, right? He's a left-handed hitter. You figure if he's going to ground out, it's going to be to the right side, and it would move Harold Ramirez over. But he doesn't. He strikes out. So he ran out of the little things yesterday. Ernie Clement would then ground out, and then Austin Hedges would strike out bad to end the inning. I mean, the Indians were 1-4-8 with runners in scoring position again yesterday. It is it is awful. This offense is killing us in this Houston series. I mean, what ha- what were we talking about a few days ago where it was like all they hit were solo home runs, right? Remember, they hit four solo home runs in the first four innings. And we're saying if you could just get somebody on base these home runs would be so much more impactful. You almost saw it happen in Houston yesterday where the solo home runs almost came back to bite them. The Indians almost came storming back despite the home runs. Well, now we're getting guys on base. We got a ton of guys on base in the last three games, and now we can't find the big hit anywhere. So it looks like our luck has completely reversed on us. Um, I never did MVP for the day yesterday, and uh, today I'm going with... Eddie Rosario stepping up in the four hole after those, you know, those two big bats are out of the lineup. He goes two for four with the two doubles. Remember in that first inning, he hit a big fly after Bobby Bradley doubled. He hit a big fly to right field that is caught right in front of the wall. It only had an expected batting average of 120. Well, that's because it only went 346 feet. It had a launch angle of 45 degrees. If that launch angle was down even a couple degrees, even if that was 42, 41, 40-degree launch angle, that ball goes uh, 350, 355, that thing is out of here. It was that close to being a two-run home run. He just got under it a little too much. So Eddie Rosario had himself a pretty good day at the plate, and that's why I'm giving him MVP for the day. All right. Hey, at least Eli Morgan went five innings, right? Eli Morgan is the only starter to make it five innings all the way through this rotation. He did it uh, last Monday, and he does it again on Saturday. We're back to Cal Quantrill today against uh, Zach Granke, which is going to be an experience. I mean, Granke is in the old man phase of his career. He is 
one of the biggest characters in baseball, and uh, he's eight and two on the season, so it's it's working for him still. And uh, Quantrill still looking for his first win. Can Quantrill last, or is he going to flame out again? Can he make it five or six innings? It feels like Quantrill starts strong and then flames out, whereas Eli Morgan starts in trouble and then gets better as he goes. Um, so yeah, I think Eli Morgan gave a really good start yesterday. I thought the bullpen did great. This offense without its two big guns, though, just it's not that it's not that great of an offense. It just isn't. Um, you throw Jose Ramirez and Fermil Reyes back in there, and we will see what happens. I have no news whether or not those guys are going to be in there. I'm guessing Fermil will be back in there. I'm guessing this is one of those situations where you just came off the IL. We're not going to rush you back. A game on, a game off, a game on, a game off. We'll see once it starts to get more consistent and he's in there every day. And then uh, Roberto Perez is back. Rivera gets sent down. Roberto Perez, I'm guessing, will be in the lineup today. So we'll see what that does for the Indians' offense. It definitely changes some things if Jose and uh, hopefully Jose's okay, right? There hasn't been really any news. They're just resting his elbow, which he fell on funny, diving for a ball. So there hasn't really been any news. So hopefully he's fine. And this is just a day or two off to rest it. But yeah, seeing those guys back in the lineup, we will see what it does. There is still a good baseball team in here somewhere. But man, the Houston Astros are making it really obvious that we are not at the level of some of the best teams in the American League right now. We're just not. We're not in it. I mean... We'll see once our pitching staff comes back off the IL. Uh, it looked like Plesek had a good second rehab start, so he's got to be close to returning. Uh, we did sign Brad Peacock, so that's a veteran that might be able to come up and start. So there is help on the way. I still think this team could consider being buyers at the deadline and making a run at this thing in the second half. But yeah, it's looking really bad this weekend against Houston. It's been pretty rough. Let's just go win a baseball game. Let's have some fun, and let's go win a baseball game. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's the Astros 3, the Indians 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.